All right. Welcome, everybody. Oh, come on. I know the food just like hit your stomach. The blood is all there, and you're ready to fall asleep. So we're going to try to keep you awake. Uh, but my name is James Kraft, and this is my lovely bride, Terry Kraft. Uh, we've been, this July, we're going to be celebrating 27 years of marriage. Yes, uh-huh. And so, um, you know, the fun part is, is because uh, you're going to hear a little bit more about our story in a few minutes uh, and really be able to connect with it. I'll just do this real quick. Yeah. Um, and it's, you're going to find out why that's so cool. Uh, but our anniversary is on 7-Eleven. Uh, that's our anniversary. It, it, when people shake their head like that, like, uh-huh, that's cool, they know what I'm talking about when I say that because we get to go down to 7-Eleven. Right, you know what I'm talking about. Seven Elevens. If you're not, if you don't have a Seven Eleven near you, you're probably blessed. Okay, because it's not the greatest place in the world. And we get free Slurpees on our anniversary. What do you get? Okay, and so, <laughs> and then every time we get them, I hate them. I, I don't like Slurpees. They give me a headache. Yeah, that, so we don't even drink them. But it's something. But we get to celebrate 27 years of ministry. Uh, not ministry, marriage, uh, and it's been ministry to one another. Uh, and we're grateful that we get to be here with you today to talk about Love Unstoppable, you know, what a marriage God has for you and the potential that God has for you in your lives here today. And we understand that marriages bring a lot of emotions. Um, and even if you're not married here, you know, what you have seen in marriage and even potentially in your future, you know, what that looks like. And marriages bring a lot, a lot of pain, a lot of joy, uh, a lot of confusion, a lot of anger, a lot of emotions. And so we have to integrate a lot of those things into our marriage and see how do we live life unstoppable as love is a driving force. And so we are so thankful that you're here. Uh, we had our last session, and we had such a great time. Um, and so we prepared this whole teaching thing, <laughs> and we threw it all out, and we had a lot of question and answers. And we pretty much did half of our time's Q&A. And so can we just do the same thing? Can we just kind of be flexible? And, and we're going to, um, the rules are here is that we want to engage with you, not teach you today. Is that okay? Because I think engaging and collaborating is probably some of the best teaching that you can do is when we can actually converse with one another. And so the, the rules are for asking questions, you can ask at any time. Okay? If a hand goes up, we're going to pause, stop, listen, and then engage. All right, so please ask questions along the way so that we can actually have a conversation with you rather than just a lecture. Is anybody in favor of that? Okay, and so we're excited. And so you have to be thinking, all right? Get your thinking caps on even though you just had lunch. Uh, and so, uh, but Terry, I know you wanted to say something. Well, why don't you pray? And then we'll okay, I'm going to pray. Can we just pray first? <laughs> Jesus, thank you for this opportunity for us to be together. And Lord, I pray that... As we come here today, let this be a time that we can discover what love can do in our marriage. And we overuse the word many times. But today is something very special. You are here with us. And we're talking about marriage. And we're talking about the potential you have for us. And I pray that we would have our hearts open wide so that we can receive all that you have for us. We thank you for this, and we submit our time to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, before we get started, um, I wanted you, if you can, uh, oh, oh, why is this thing working here? Oh, that's why. There's no plug in there. <laughs> 
There we go. Okay, I'd like for you guys to, um, you can go to, the website is James and Terry Crafts. Spell it all out. James and A-N-D, Terry, T-E-R-I, Craft, C-R-A-F-T. I know it's a long, whatever. Uh, JamesandTerryCraft.com. If you go there right now, we would like for you to pull your phones out. Go there right now. And then what you can do is, um, on the home page, you're going to see right here, Foursquare Connection. Click on that, and then it's going to give you an, um, a password box. And the password is love, L-O-V-E. I know it's a really complicated, uh, bad password, but you know what? I want to make it simple. Uh, so L-O-V-E, I want you guys to go ahead and put that in. What you're going to do is as you click into that, you're going to see a video on there, and you're going to see um, our, some notes, an outline for today. And what's on that outline is a lot more than what we're going to actually talk or teach on so that you can walk away with some tools on paper. Does anybody like that? You can download it, whatever you want to do. And then there's a third thing on there is a flyer for uh, you. If you want to work on something, you need to work on your marriage a little bit. That is a coupon so that you can call us, say I was here at Force Work and Connection, and uh, it's half off on what you do. Because we believe in continual investment in marriage. And so everybody here, if you're married, raise your hand, raise your hand if you're married here today, okay? You need to be working on your marriage no matter what, until the day you die, okay? So uh, invest in what's important to you, and that's why we want to help get you guys started and see what's, what needs to be worked on and so on and so forth. So those are those resources. You can do that at jamesandterrycraft.com. So. Well, we are very grateful that you are here, and I know that you guys are probably feeling a little bit like, uh, like James said, kind of. So if you need to stand up and stretch, and if anybody has like an Apple Watch, it tells you when to stand. You know, uh, we've, 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 we've got our life down to the point where, oh, yeah, that's right. I got to breathe now. <sighs> okay, okay. <laughs> but feel free. We, we really do want to have a discussion today. We, um, James and I, we have walked a long journey. We just want to prepare, you know, our time together as well just to help you guys understand. We really want this to be a safe environment. Um, we do work with couples. We, we do a lot. We, we work in recovery. We work through, um, James works with lots of guys in recovery. I work with women who've walked through betrayal. Um, we work with couples. We work with executives, kind of you name it. Um, we've been in, in the church environment in many different ways um, all the way through, probably since we've been married. Um, but we get to just really um, invest right now in the season of our life into relationships and, and how we work um, really people through transformational journeys. And so we want this to be a safe environment. Is that okay? So here's the deal. We're way better as a group if we're just honest. And you can just, as you hear our story, you'll understand that honesty is really the only way that we're ever going to really make it through this and bring people with us who are transformed. And so that's what we really desire, right? We want, our, we want to be transformative individuals, but we also want our ministries in whatever capacity that is, whether that's a senior pastor or, or lay um, pastor, whether that's a, um, a ministering pastor or a staff member, whether that's just your, your kids at home. We want to be people who are transformed, who can transform um, others as we walk with them. So we just want to make that really clear up front. There's no stupid question. We're good. We're super easy. Um, we're not intimidating people. But what I do want to um, ask, too, is that just so that we understand kind of what how to prepare, you know, moving forward is how many people are here are familiar with our personal story of, of restoration? A couple. Okay. Okay. 
That's fine. And the reason why is because we have to give a little background. Because uh, uh, we keep talking about restoration. You're like, restored from what? So um, that helps me to kind of um, kind of see what, where we're going to go with that. So I'll let you take it from there. Hey, I'd like for you guys, uh, just I want to share a scripture with you because, one, if we understand the basis of what love unstoppable is all about, because marriage is something that God has intended for us to really be a full expression of his image on this earth. Okay, I was created in the image of God, and guess what? Terry was in, created in the image of God. Put us together, we're a completion of that. And so, really, it's a beautiful miracle that is on this earth to be able to express who God is. And so, when people see healthy marriages, they really are experiencing God. I love it. And so, it's something that is easily preached, but it's hard to live out. Can I hear an amen on that? Okay, I I saw some elbows flying on that one. Yeah, did you hear that? Okay, no, but the truth is, love unstoppable is something that we have to understand. But I have a scripture here I'd like for us to look at. In Colossians 3, uh, 11 through 14, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It sounds like a Christian, right? Okay. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any has a grievance against someone. Guy, this is the basics of Christianity, or Christ's followers. But it says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Oh, now it's getting a little harder, okay? And it says, and, and, and over all these virtues, put on what? Love. Love. Because it says, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And so if we have all these other things without love, man, it doesn't make us complete in who we are, even in our marriage, for one another and for others. And so we have to understand that's as a foundation. You might think, well, James, I understand that. Well, so did I. As a pastor, as a denominational leader, as one of our, I was a national youth director for this denomination for many years. Um, as a senior pastor, I understood the scripture. But did I really? Because love was not the foundation of it. I saw myself doing a lot of the things, of the virtues that it says here. You know, but there's a simple truth that we learn to live by in this process. And we have to understand that the power of authentic relationship is not found in transactional, transactional living, okay? But in the outcome of a transformational journey. See, James Craft lived very transactional as I was growing up to adulthood, into ministry. Who here are senior pastors? Raise your hand. Who here are pastors, like not the senior pastor, but you're on staff as a pastor? Who here are lay leaders and, and on staff working in the church? Okay. Who here is just coming to Foursquare Convention because you're a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. Okay, good. So different variety of positions and places and backgrounds. James, I, I, me, I came to this place where I was very transactional in my living. If I did this, then I would receive that. If I did really well in building a church, and when I was a youth pastor in Simi Valley, California, we had a thousand kids in our youth group. We had two services. Insanity was taking place. I had no clue what I was doing, but I can get a lot of kids there. A lot of kids. You know what I'm talking about. You've been there. You were there at the time. And we were running out of control. I was attractional. I was able to get kids there. And I believed in transformation, but James Craft wasn't living transformed because I was living a transactional life. I was living in such a way if I did all this, I would find my approval and acceptance over here. 
And it kept on building in different parts of ministry and even in marriage and as a dad, as a husband. And if it just kept on doing and doing and doing, I'd find my acceptance and love. Now, I know that might be something that, yeah, I understand. I can get it. Yep, 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 yep. But I can tell you right now in this room that this has become a burden on so many pastors today. If I just keep on doing, then I will get the approval of our denominational leaders, our district leaders, our so on meaning leader, whatever kind of leaders you want to talk about. And God says, hold on and stop right there. Will you just listen to my voice? I want you to stop living transactional, and I want you to start living transformational. Can I hear an amen on that? Now, you might get it, and you might be already there, but it took me almost 40 years of my life to finally get that. Where God says, will you wake up? I want you to get this. I'm a stubborn person. Holy smokes. But when I got it, I got it. I share that with you today because a lot of blood, sweat, and tears went into that of discovering the woundedness of James so that transactional living was, rela- was replaced with transformational living. Can I hear an amen on that? Okay. It says here in 1 John 3.18, it says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. Okay, that might sound transactional, though, right? No. But it is where I come before the Father and say, Here I am. Search my heart, oh God. That is the most dangerous prayer you can pray. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Search my heart, oh God. Oh, I never prayed that prayer. <laughs> I never did. I was like, ain't happening because I know what you'll find. And you won't be happy with me when you find it. And you will turn your back on me, God. And you will reject me for who I am. And it scared me so bad that I lived in that shame for many years of my life. So, but let's keep on going, okay? I'm just, I'm just kind of giving some scriptures you guys can reference that later on. But 1 Corinthians 13.3 says, If I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be, bur- uh, to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So Terry and I, we lived this l- transactional life for many years. We, we were in youth ministry, and then we went into uh, national, we were the national directors. I was a national director at the time uh, for Foursquare Denomination, traveling all over, meeting with pastors, doing all the great things. And, but I kept everybody at an arm's length distance. Everybody in our church, I kept them this way. I love you. I will serve you. I will give my life to you. But you will not know the real me. You can't know this because if you know this, you'll leave the church. You won't put up with this because you won't connect with my pain. That's what I thought. And I know I'm connecting with people here right now because everywhere we go, I talk to senior pastors and leaders, and they say, I understand that. And they carry a mask on their face. Everything's just fine. Everything's just fine. I'm good. I'm good. But if I remove the mask and they look inside and there's just despair in their eyes. And today, I want to encourage you with that because There is hope, and you are not alone. Amen? There is hope, and you are not alone. I didn't understand that until my life came crashing down, and I lost everything except my wife and three beautiful daughters. You know, when I was growing up, I grew up in an evangelical Christian home. Lots of rules, very little relationship. We didn't understand the the complexity of just being honest and vulnerable with each other. It was go to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, 
Wednesday night, and then he had a Bible study in there somewhere else, right? Does anybody know that kind of living, all right? All right, and I live, do, you keep doing, you keep doing, you keep doing. And I'll tell you right now, I, very, I learned transactional at a very young age. And if you did well, I was accepted. If I ran, I was a track and field athlete and went to college for, for that. I was a fast guy at that time. I ain't fast anymore, okay? Something happened. It's called age, all right? So, but I was able to go to university, compete. If I did that, I was accepted. If I got good grades, I was accepted and loved. If I did all the great things, I was accepted and loved. Transferred into my ministry. If I build a really large youth ministry, I got attention, acceptance. If I was able to build a big church, boom, same thing. And then if I was a national ministry, if I travel around, put on a national youth conference that gather around 7,000 young people around the world, and everybody's like, yay. And I thought, yeah, yay. I felt good. On the inside, I was dying. I was dying. Then I was asked to go, and uh, Terry and I, we were asked to move to Hawaii, and we went to go pastor at New Hope Oahu. The church is around 10,000 people at the time. Yay, we finally made it. The pinnacle. And James is dying on the inside because I was living transactionally, and then Terry was a recipient of my transactional living. In the meantime, I've had a porn addiction since I was age 11, all the way through life. And I had this wound inside is I'm dirty and I'm bad. No one will ever understand my addiction. In my mind, I thought alcohol would have been a whole lot better. Drugs would have been a whole lot better. Because <laughs> at least you'll see it and say, pity you. But porn was such a dirty, shameful thing that people just did not connect with. And so I lived with that my whole life in ministry. And I could, God won't even accept me on this. And then before we went to Hawaii, I had an affair. I allowed my life to go to a place where I said I would never go. And shame was such a major point of my life. And then all of a sudden, we're trying to connect, and there's no connection going on. But then we're pastors. Everything's good. Everything's great. We're wonderful. But if you knew the real James, there's no way you would be in my presence. That shame narrative in my mind thought, no one loves me. I'm not lovable. Does that make sense? And so in that, I share that with you today, not to say, oh, it's a downer. It sounds like they're laughing over there. This sucks over here. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know? But the honest, the truth is, what's your pain? It might be somewhere where you're at right now, what you've gone through. Your coping mechanism might be workaholism. It might be something else that you've kind of filled in that pain with. And you're thinking, how do I live my life? And we want to unpack it because God is a redeeming God. He believes in restoration. He, re he believes in second chances. And he wants to pour into you and your marriage so that you have a marriage that's, that's filled with love and it's unstoppable. Can I hear an amen on that? And today's a great day. I'm so proud of my story because my story is not my story. It's not our story. It's his story being lived out through us. And I'm so thankful for that. Well, everybody take like a deep breath. Yeah, that's a heavy one, isn't it? You're like, wow, that's crazy in a way. But honestly, James is right. It is God's story. And, and we have walked a long journey together. And really, honestly, our deep, sincere heart is that there's people here. I know. There are people here who have gone through maybe something similar, and you're like, yes, I have a big T testimony just like you guys. And you're like, that's awesome. Or you know people in your church who have. You, you've heard the stories. 
you might also be in this place and you're going, yeah, but we're in the place where we're, 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 we're waiting to hear for some answers to prayer. Like we're in that, ouch, I'm hurting right now season. And I just want you to understand that I see you and I understand. And we don't take lightly our story. And we know that there's so many wonderful people who sit in the, the church um, congregations every single weekend in our nation who are just dying from the inside out. And it comes out often in their marriage because that's the first relationship that we have with anyone right after Christ. It's like we love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And then, it, and then after, you know, ourselves, it's this way. What's the first covenant relationship? It's our marriage, and yet it's, we're bleeding, and we don't, ha- we don't, we don't know what to say. And, and oftentimes, if we don't have environments where we can be honest, it can be very stifling and very difficult. So we just want to be able to know that, that people understand that, w- that, w- that it's okay, wherever you find yourself. Because our story was pretty, pretty insane. Like, it was, you know, pretty crazy. But we also don't want to take lightly the fact that, that there were people. There, w- there was collateral damage. You know, when a leader falls, it hurts people. There were a lot of people damaged. And, and James has been just so wonderful through the process just to be able to, you know, really try to work through and, and be a proxy. Whenever we speak in churches, he'll, by proxy, if any leader has ever damaged you or hurt you, I am sorry because I understand that journey, both of being hurt by and, you know, being the, the, the hurter. And, and I'm sorry. And so we want to help you, not only in your personal life, but in whatever ministry you find yourself, can we, can we create environments where people can, can get into a place of transformation? Can we at least agree on that? And if we aren't in that place, and we laugh, because you know, we'll, we'll tell you a funny story even from this last week, because we don't have it all together, and we're never going to say we. We do, because that's, that's heaven, and, and you know, we're excited to go there someday. But until then, it's our responsibility and our stewardship to walk that through and get the help that we need all along the way. But, you know, there's going to be times when there are people who come and they're, they're needing for us to create environments and have a, a heart and language that says, yeah, yeah, it's okay. We can do this. We can do it. And when we need to get the help, we do it as well. Okay, so I just want, you know, to, to be able to kind of preface that as we sort of, you know, start walking through. Yeah, absolutely. You, you ever get stopped by the Holy Spirit? He says, eh, back up a little bit. I said, that's my story, and I'm proud of it. I need you to understand what I said. I'm proud of what the outcome of our story is. Hear what I said? Because I, I want you to, some might, some might get stuck right there and thinking, why are you proud of your sin? I'm not, I never once said I was proud of my sin. I'm proud of the process of what God has done and the redemptive work that he did. They're still grieving. I, I think back, and I, I'll tell you, I came to convention. This is my first time back to convention since we, that was almost nine years ago, and I walk through the halls, and I see people, and I'm like, whew, a lot of emotions. Can we be real with each other? And I walked in here, and I was like full of joy, and then I also was like, oh, wow. And when people would come give me hugs, there was like, wow, redemption. I, not redemption of James. It was, God, the enemy was out for destruction. And you are such a wonderful God. That's what I'm proud of. And I'm just telling you that because some of us need to hear that God wants to do that in all of our lives. 
And he wants to do that right where you're at here today or in your congregation or in your personal marriage or your friends and so on and so forth. And so I just want to bring clarity because I believe when the Holy Spirit speaks, you never want to miss the opportunity. Someone needed to hear that, and I stand with you, that God wants to take your life and your story and make you proud of it because of what he wants to do in you. Amen? Sorry to interrupt you. That's good. That's good. Well, before we move on, we have a few things that we are going to kind of highlight, and then we're going to have some Q&A, because really that's honestly where we, we love to, to kind of thrive in as well. But does anybody have any questions thus far? Like, seriously, anything? Any questions? Comments? No? Yeah. All the time. Yeah, but the shame in my life was louder than the Holy Spirit's voice in my life. Okay, the shame in my life of you are bad, and I was hearing that because of the pain inside. All right, and all I could hear is that. So I, there, we, use the, we say that this all the time. The pain on the outside has to increase more than the pain on the inside for change to take place. Okay? That's why when I go to the doctor and he says, hey, your cholesterol's high, you've got to make some changes. But unless I find out, I'm not going to make the change. Well, in my life, I kept on just moving forward as no one will know. We can just do this, and I can completely put a happy face on, and everybody will be okay. And the Holy Spirit is saying, James, stop. James, stop. James, listen to my voice. And I keep on pushing away because there's a wound inside from my childhood that I would never deal with. There was deep wounds inside. I said, nope, nope. And I kept on pushing them off, pushing them off. And then eventually God says, I'm going to have to run you off the cliff, James. And he did so, and he caught me in the free fall and said, now, will you listen to me? And I lost it. I said, yes, I will. Because I had to come to the end of myself before I could actually move forward. Does that make sense? So, yes, every single day I heard him say to me, James, listen to me. And I'm like, no, I can't. I can't. He goes, God, if you only understood, he goes, I understand. I could not hear that. I could not get to that place until I came to the crashing place where I was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's great, and, and I love that question, and, and so I'm glad that you asked that. And I, I tell people I get asked two questions all the time, and the, the, the number one question I get asked is, you know, how, how did you learn to trust again? You know, and that's a, that's a, valid, that's a valid question. And the second one is, is how did you, um, you know, decide to stay? And, you know, both of them are very deep and wide. And let me tell you that we did not walk this alone. Dr. Ted and Diane came to our last um, uh, breakout session, and we cried because they're our, like, spiritual parents. And they were right there with us, you know, every step of the way. So basically when, when this crash happened, you know, I was pretty much blindsided. Um, we lived a very happy life together, except there were patterns. So there would be patterns of anger, pattern of isolation. You'd be like, gosh, James you're not, you're not the same all the time. Does that make sense? So it was like, but, and, and I felt the burden of him. But see, here, here, here's where I had to get real. I had as much brokenness in a different way. See, I wasn't uh, dealing with addiction, but I was dealing with some brokenness that made me kind of m move into the more codependent territory. Like, well, we'll just come alongside him and fix everything. 
You know, how many people in here you can connect with that? Like, hey, I'll just go behind him and just make sure, oh, hey, sorry, he didn't mean that when he said that, you know, or, or we're just going to fix this here. Or So I, I did a lot of that, and I got real with that, and I realized, gosh, you know, I have some brokenness in me too. And so when the Lord said to me, I want you to walk this out with him, I was like, wow, that was really, I mean, and we, we, we wrote a book, and Pure Desire published it, so if you're interested in the chronicles of what we did, we, we literally chronicled our one-year recovery. So I don't want to get into too much of it. Um, but basically what happened was it was, it was, it was like, uh, number one, that was definitely God because it was so strong. Number two, he's always been faithful to me. So if he said, I want you to walk this out, uh, he, why would he be less faithful now? But see, God, this in instance is like, what? And I just, the Lord was like, trust me. So I had really good people. I had really good safe people say, yes, you should walk this out. If that's what the Lord says, but this is how we're going to do it. See, that this is what we want you guys to hear today. We did not figure this out alone. No way, shape, or form. So they said, Link arms with us, and we're going to help you. So I, I got myself into a recovery group. I got myself into counseling. We got ourselves into counseling, and we walked it out every day for one year straight. I mean, restoration is a lifelong process. So we, we continue to get mentorship. We continue to get counseling when needed. So we're not above that. But we really said this is important. And you know why it was important? Because we had three beautiful girls who were going, Mommy and Daddy, please tell me that Jesus is real. Because right now it feels like he's not. Because we had to just pack up our bags and we left everything we know. And now we're left. And you guys, please tell us that Jesus is real. And we're like, yes, we can do that. So we looked at each other and we said, we're going to go on this journey together. And so I had a lot of safe people helping me along the way. Um, it, did I just cross the line again? And, you know, and then somebody said, Terry, you need your boundaries. You need your boundaries. You're working with an addict. You know, this, this person, James never lied. Like 95% of his life, complete, 99% of his life, complete Boy Scout. But there's one area that he would lie, and that was in terms of his addiction. And so I had to learn, what does that mean? Right? What does it mean? How do you build trust and all those things? So we walked through a very intricate process and um, one that really gave way to be completely honest to my freedom. And then I was like, Jesus, I finally know who I am. And then, and then I looked at him and was like, I really like who you're creating, you've created him to be. And we like literally were like, hey, nice to meet you. And, you know, ministry's gone. We're reading the Bible, like reading the Bible, not to do teachings, you know, because everything became so pro programmatic. And, you know, when you're doing like seven services a weekend and it was just so intense, all of a sudden it was like, Jesus, okay, I can't breathe this morning, so I'm going to open up the Bible and, oh, God, tell me something new. Oh, yes. And it was like just fed into this place so that I got to the point halfway through and I said, you know, I don't need you anymore because... I was an ex-codependent. I don't need you anymore. But I want you. I want you. And it was like two transformed people. It was like we were like new Christians. I mean, I can still remember he came home one day after a walk, and 
and he had you know, been preaching Jesus for all these years, and he had a problem with, with God the Father because he had father wounds. He grew up in a, a, an abusive situation. And so he came home after, and he's crying. And he's going, he's just crying. And, and, and I'm like, what's going on? You know, I'm still kind of mad, so I'm like, what's going on? I hope you got hit, but that's okay. Are you okay? <laughs> we, we laugh now. I mean, we, we laugh. And he's like, Terry, and he's just crying. And he goes, Jesus loves me. God loves me. And I'm like, are you kidding me? We've been, we've been preaching it for 20 years. But I, my heart just went, went, God, that is transformation. And so, oh, as mad as I am right now, I can tell this is real. So I'm going to just, I'm going to keep myself, going to just keep myself in this place and watch. Keep myself in, this, in place and see what you're going to do. And he did a miracle. Um, but I also work with a lot of women around the world who their husbands didn't choose to walk alongside. And I've always told them and or their spouses. So it's, you can, it's both. Um, I basically say to them, here's the deal. You have a miracle, and no one can take it away. So if James decided not to walk this out, this healing journey, I could still be whole in Christ, and I could still advocate for marriage, and I could still be healed and, and be restored. But I was fortunate enough that we could do this together. So does that kind of make sense? And, he, and here's... A, here's I don't know, does, does, does anybody, and I'll get your question in a second. Does anybody here know what the Enneagram is? Okay, some people are like into it. Some people, it's basically like a personality test kind of thing. Well, here's, here's a true story. I'm a seven, he's an eight. You know anything about Enneagram? Not a great combo. <laughs> right? I mean, we are. We're actually a really great combo. We're also a really not so good combo. <laughs> I'm like Elf, and he's like Rambo. So Elf and Rambo. I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's a tree. <laughs> and he's like, what? Come on, let's go. We've got to go. We've got to get there. And I'm like, why? You know? So that was pretty much our marriage. I'm Elf, and he's like Rambo. Now, through the years and through our restoration, God has softened those places. But we've learned to, to be really at ease and happy and peace with who he's created us to be. See, there was, there, there was a time that that was really hard. And so that didn't, that didn't lead into our connectedness. So within your lives and in your ministries, uh, my question is, is, is how comfortable are, are the individuals and the marriages at being who they are? Like, it's okay. It's okay to be a seven and an eight. And when we're on, we are on. We'll take the world. We'll develop stuff. We'll get it done. It's really great. When we're off, that's all I have to say. Wow. <laughs> Read about sevens and eights on the Enneagram and together. Like, there's a great podcast called Ty Typology. They just did this podcast with seven and eight. It's crazy because it can be very, like, vocally volatile because we're very, very verbal processors. So it's, it can be really scary. Well, we've learned to go, okay, okay. We are not, like, you know, beaver cleaver household. We're, we're, we're always going to be, like, vivacious. But how do we do that in love? How do we do that in love? So what, what, you don't want people coming to your church and being like, everybody sit down and be really quiet and pretend like you have no problems. You want the sevens and eights to be like, yes, take the world, let's go. And, and yeah, you know, there might be some arguments out in the parking lot, but we're good, we're good, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> or, you know, you, you might want the ones to be, to be, you know, really getting things done and getting it done exactly how they like to get it done. But is it okay for them to process that in their journey? 
under your leadership and for them to still go, yes, I know that I am not alone. Okay? Yeah. Real quick, before we go there, I, there's a question in the back. It's funny, um, just not this last Friday, the Friday before, uh, we had a, um, a full-blown fight. Can, can we just say that out loud? Uh, is that okay? Does that just really diminish everything you think of us right now? Okay. Uh, it was a knockdown, ugly, weird brawl. We were tired. We were exhausted. And, and I will take responsibility. And she says something to me, and I was at my breaking point. And I'm like, Rah! the line came out of me, the eight. You'll read about it. It's all, it got, I got clarity. So guess what we did? We called our accountability. And, well, Terry did it first, and then I did too. We did it in separate places, and we called the same person. Her name's Nancy Houston in Dallas, Texas, and she, uh, she used to be on staff at Gateway, and she's a sex therapist and a counselor, and uh, I belong to her Townsend Leadership Program, and she's just, she works with us countlessly. It's just incredible. We called her, and we said this, we're stuck, and we need help. But James and Terry, you guys work with, we work with a lot of couples and a lot of marriages around the world. Aren't you supposed to have your act together? Uh-huh. We made the phone call. <laughs> Can I just say that? I never would have made the phone call before. I would have been like, you know what, all right, just let it ride out, you know what, and we'll get back on the track later on. You know what, we'll hate each other in the process, and we'll get there, and we'll be happy and everything will be fine, dang it, right? Is that what you kind of think? Right? You know what I'm talking about. You're like, I'm not saying anything right now. And Nancy said, okay, you're stuck. Let's work through this. And literally she navigated us through our limbic lie. Our limbic system tells us what the lie is, and we were believing it. And she goes, let's walk into truth, and let's accept who you are, and let's walk in truth together. And it was, like, awesome. You know, and it was one of those experiences, like, she wanted to rip my head off, I wanted to rip her head off, and it was like, am I being too vulnerable right now? Am I freaking anybody else out here, okay? But can I just be honest with you? I know that's your life as well. We just really have put a facade. Everything's great, okay? Now, it might not be yours, but it's most, okay? So it's important for you to understand me being vulnerable with you. It's like we're all in process until the day we die, so. Right. I, there was a question in the back, and then we'll move on. Good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great question. Yeah, good question. Um, we do chronicle that in, in, in the book as well if you want to kind of uh, read more about it. But, um, oh, okay. This is, this is our book. We, are, we hate promoting ourselves. So, but if you don't buy it, What's that? Oh, Nick, where's Nick? Oh, Nick's here. He's ahead of Pure Desire. Okay. And so, um, but, and he told me to say this. If you don't buy this book, you're not allowed to come back to service tonight. Okay. So, uh, is that what you said to say, right? Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but this is our story. It's called Exposed. Um, and you look on this side, and it's really great. We have great people who just were a part of it. Jim Scott really endorsed my side, and Tammy Dunn, who endorsed Terry's side. Uh, but you read eight chapters. And then you flip it over, and then there's Terry's eight chapters uh, through that side. And then we meet in the middle with really cool pictures of our lives of a covenant ceremony that we renewed our vows uh, with those who walk through our challenging season. And so it just really helps you understand the journey. Okay, we're all on a journey. We're crying out loud. Can we just accept that we're on a journey and be okay with mess? 
And so really it was, it's a great book of hope. That's all it really is. And it really helps you understand how we overcame addiction and betrayal and really lived an unstoppable marriage. Well, at the time, let's see, <coughs> it was so many years ago, um, we had a six-year-old. I have to count on my fingers. I used to be a third-grade teacher. That's sad. Yeah, 10 and 14. Yeah, 10 and 14, 6, 10, 14. So, um, yeah, that's a story in itself because all of a sudden, you know, we packed our, our bags, moved back. Well, we, we moved to Hawaii, then packed our bags, moved back to the mainland, and we literally had nothing. You know, we were, pa we were pastors for all those years. So um, we were looking down the um, to-do list of, um, first of all, you know, recovering from our marriage and addiction recovery, but then we also had to, like, figure out a way to make a living. And we honestly just hadn't, didn't, you know, weren't prepared for that. And so God did that miracle, too, which is crazy, you know, just to think what he can do. But here, here's, here's really an interesting thing with the, with the children involved. Um, number one, there's no secret sin that your children aren't going to partake of, period. Okay? That's the bottom line. And I'm not even talking about, like, you know, we had all kinds of people give us their really judgmental um, verbiage, you know, like, oh, your kids are now cursed because your husband did this. I mean, we're, I'm like, thanks. Thank you. You know, where is that found exactly what you're, you know, it was, they weren't totally mis, they were taking that out of context, right? Um, but what we really found was that the children, they were not only, Im, you know, impacted by the fall, but they were also impacted by the vulnerability that came out of it and the, and the, and the repentance and the process. It was beautiful. Um, but our 14-year-old at the time was so angry Probably for the next three years, we had uh, just insane repair to do with her. Um, and she's still repairing in regard to the organized church. And I'll tell you why. Because we were not loved by Christians. I'm so sorry. Now, that doesn't mean all Christians. Like, it was because of Christians that were, you know, Dr. Ten Diane you know, Gary and Tammy Dunahoo, I mean, just some great people who just said, basically, we're not even coming at you as, as pastors right now. We're just coming at you as friends. We're going to walk you through this. But I'm telling you, on the whole, you need to hear this. If you're pastoring a church or you have any ministry at, at, at all, people are going to come in who are falling apart in their marriage, and they need to know that you are going to love them. And it was heartbreaking the kind of stuff that we, you know, faced when you're trying. People were, like, it's it, it really mean to me as well. I'm thinking, what did I do? Um, but, but, you know, when you start to have people speak in your life and say, Terry, you've got to just hang in there because they just don't understand grace. And I'm thinking, I sat in the back of church going, well, then what's the point of everybody being here if nobody understands grace? <laughs> but, God showed me when he started repairing my heart, and then our kids started to see that repair, that, wow, you know what? Grace is fierce. It's fierce. It looks at people right in the eye and says, I see you. I see your story. I see your pain, and I am not leaving. That's a love unstoppable. And that's what we need in churches for marriages. I'm, I'm really serious. It's just so important. So I hope that kind of answers your question. They're doing great now. 21, she's a, a junior in college. Great, um, doing really good. Um, 17, so 16, almost 17, 
loves Jesus, our, our 12, 13, she just turned 13. They're doing great, loving Jesus. I mean, it, it's, it was a miracle. Well, well, yeah, we didn't get a chance. Yeah, like in three weeks, it was like 50,000 people knew, you know, and what are you going to do? Six. Yeah, yeah. But age appropriately. You know, we had to talk about honesty and dad lying. And see, I relapsed a couple times with porn um, after confession, and we had a very strong safety plan. If I relapsed with, and I had to do a polygraph and all that to make sure everything was out. Um, and every guy I walk through to uh, recovery right now, they take polygraphs. Um, I can't force them to do it, but that's my suggestion for them. Um, but when I did that, it kind of set a precedence. My kids knew what I was doing. When I relapsed, if I confessed within 24 hours, guess what that did? It landed me on the couch for two weeks. Mm. My kids noticed. Dad, why are you on the couch? My third time relapsing, um, my middle daughter said, Daddy, will you just please stop? It broke my heart. It's like, God, help me stop. Why am I doing this? And the pain was so deep inside. And I'm like, God, help me get there. And I had Ted Roberts as my coach. <laughs> I had Ted. And he's like, James, we're going there. I'm like, please, I'm scared to death of this. And he led me to that place. And I needed Ted because I needed someone with a really strong arm to kick me in the teeth a couple times and say, get up, let's go. And as we navigated that, he led me right in. So now I get to come alongside other guys. I work with countless guys right now to say, we're going there. Because when I saw those three you know, sets of eyes, I thought, God, but the pain had to increase on the outside more than the pain on the inside for change to really take place. Does that make sense? And so that's what really shifted in me. Then it wasn't that I didn't love my family. I just honestly didn't know how to love myself too. You know, and trying to make this happen, I just did not know how to accept the love of the Father. I just did not know how to do it. But that healing process really took place. One thing that's really good, if anybody has questions about any of those things, you know, because we, we want to make sure to kind of keep moving forward a little bit, but Conquer Series, I mean, Pure Desire is here with all the materials. You guys got to understand there's a neurochemistry issue there as well. So, you know, this man, it was, he loved, he loved it to the capacity that he could. I could tell. So it was like, it was, I was also seeing someone suffer, you know, but also in a good way. So that's really good for you as a, um, as, as pastors and church, um, you know, ministers, you have to have environments. We, people call us all the time. We, we, we go all around the nation and speak in churches. We were, we've spoken in churches before and said, you know, like, raise your hand if you're dealing with, you know, this or that. Half the whole church you know, it's like it's, it's contributing to an issue of marriage, right? So there's a contributive factor. So if you really want to have a really great marriage ministry at your church, you're going to have to be running the Conquer Series. You're going to have to be doing these things because that's contributing to the fact that the marriages aren't doing great, right? So it, it's, it's part of it. It's one of the factors, right? And so then, you know, then out of that you can you know, uh, get real with the other things. Um, there was one more question, and then we're going to move on. Yeah. 
Right, right. Yeah. Right, so they're adults now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How does your husband feel about it? Yeah. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So th so they're not, they haven't not experienced the ups and downs, but they just have, there's not like a, maybe like a clarity on that. Okay. Yeah. 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 Right, right. Bless you. Yeah, you know what? That you, I hear curiosity in your voice. And so my encouragement to you is to take that curiosity and, and ask the Lord about that. Because it sounds like he's got you on a journey with that. And you and your husband could probably discover that maybe, you, you know, with a counselor or with somebody who might be able to help you guys get to the point where you can feel in a good place to do that and then decide where, what you need to do with your kids. I mean, honestly, we always encourage, um, you know, people that we work with when there is that their kind of unity um, and mutuality as well as, you know, the kind of personal strength that the kids, if, if the kids are really struggling right now, you know, timing-wise is always going to be an issue. But if whenever we can, we can help people see the redemptive work of God, it's always healing. It's always healing. But that's not always the perfect timing. So there's where, you know, I would go on a journey with that. But I love the fact that you're curious. It's really good, really, really good. Um, well, do you mind if we just go on a little bit more and then we'll... Um, so I'm going to give you three things today. And then the rest of it's on the notes. You can take it with you. Oh, we do Love Unstoppable conferences. So the last part of it is pretty much a microcosm of what we kind of do over a weekend. But um, we're not going to do that today. The first thing that distanced us, and I just we want to go over it just because we think it's really good for everybody to have a little refresher. Shame. We talked about shame. Um, Brene Brown describes shame as this, the intensely painful feeling or experiencing of believing that we are flawed, sorry, and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Something we've experienced, done, or failed to do makes us unworthy of connection. So there's the big part right there at the end where it says makes us unworthy of connection. Um, I'm currently in my master's program through the Townsend Institute in uh, Concordia, which is in California, and love Dr. Townsend. We do a lot with Dr. Townsend, and we've had such wonderful, wonderful um, people come on and talk to us and give us all kinds of information, and here's the bottom line. All the research shows we are created for connection. We are created for it. It's as if we, I mean, we can't live without it. I mean, it's not even as if. We are. We cannot live without connection. And so what happens with shame is that it, like, cuts it off. So you tell me if there's people coming into your church who are not free because they're dealing with an addiction or there's something in their life that's just busting apart, you tell me, are they going to connect? Probably not. 
Now, they might act like it because we did. We are the number one poster children of how to act when you're falling apart, but yet we're going to muscle it through. You know, really good. That's part of number seven. If you're in a seven, you know what I'm talking about. We pull it together. But listen, we're made for connection. Shame is the antithesis of it. So if you're dealing with, with the effects of addiction or abuse or, or just, you know, for me on my side, I was dealing with, whoa, this person's in, insane kind of like cycle is making me lose myself. So it was like connection? What is that? You know, we're going to just get it done. And we're going to make, you know, we're going to make this world love Jesus. But wow, we weren't connecting. And it w- didn't even look like we weren't connecting, but we weren't. So does everybody kind of track with me on that? H- here's where I really wanted to, to, to hit that part home. If you can do me a favor, because I'm your friend now, so I just consider you all friends. If you can just take some time on a daily basis and sit quietly and take a deep breath, how am I viewing myself? What, God, are you telling me about me? And what does that mean? And if I hear back words like not good enough, you are never going to be good enough, you know, all the words that James talked about, it is shame. And I want to tell you right now, you're with the best of us because 99% of the population of the world, 100% of the population of the world deals with shame. But what is the antithesis of shame? Is wholehearted living. What is wholehearted living? Honesty and vulnerability. And so, you know, you, we've got to be cultivating environments that look shame in the eye, just like grace, and say, it's okay, I see you. That's the antithesis of it. Tammy, you met with, Tammy Denny, who met with us before convention, she goes, I just want you guys to be you and share in the, to the hearts of pastors and marriages and, and people because there's a great need out there. There's a pastor's heart speaking out loud. You know? And I was like, we're there. We'll come and just be us and connect with your heart. We have a lot of stuff and resources you can go online and get. But we want to connect with your heart today. And a lot of you, you're dealing with shame. And that shame narrative, and the shame narrative means it's, it's, it's real that keeps going on in your brain. Is that it's a storyline of how what I think and what I believe in myself. And you live in that. And the Lord wants to renew that shame narr- that narrative so that it becomes a hope narrative, a peace narrative, a joy narrative. Because if we don't, we stay in that shame narrative. And what we do is we distance ourselves from God and others because nobody's safe nobody's safe amen and so the second thing we had on there too is uh is a lack of true intimacy and vulnerability i really didn't know what true intimacy and vulnerability was all about see every day of my life i kept everybody at arm's length you know it's like in youth ministry and pastoral ministry and in family everybody was here i loved a lot of people and that was really if you saw james james was happy hey how's it going and bring people there but you didn't get here. I never allowed anybody here. I love living here now because I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of you coming into my woundedness and, or my, my, my vulnerability. And I, I'm not afraid to talk about my, my insecurities. And I'm not afraid of it. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty insecure there. Sorry. Uh, let's talk about it. 
and you're like, you're weird. Yeah, I guess I am a little weird. You know, but it doesn't, it's, I'm not ashamed of it any longer. And so I'm like, let's go there. I would like to go there because if I can go there and you can go there with me, you get to know me and I get to know you and we become our truest self. See, I'm not just talking about intimacy sexually. You know, we are creating three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And if we can have intimacy in spirit, soul, and body, there's a completion. Because, you know, God created me in his image. And then he created Terry in his image. And when we are together as one, it's really beautiful because we're a depiction and a fulfillment of God's image here on earth. That's why the enemy is so adamant of tearing down the institution of marriage in our society. It's if he can tear down the institution and even the, the commitment of marriage, all of a sudden he's tearing down the image of God in our society. Because what do people see when they see us living our truest self in our marriage? They really see God in the flesh. It's like, whoa, that's really cool. It's pure. And so it's really important for us to understand and that we have to understand that shame impacts vulnerability. You cannot be vulnerable if you're shameful. You can't do it. They don't go. It's like oil and water. It does not work. It doesn't work. So it's, under, it's important. The third thing here that we learn, and then we're going to go into Q&A because we want to end our time in Q&A, is this. Is we call it population iso- isolation. We wrote about it in our book. It's a kind of a coin that we were just talking one day. We were writing this thing, and, and we said, God, it's so us. We were populated with so many people. In Hawaii, our church was 10,000 people. So literally, after service, it took forever everybody because everybody hugs and kisses there. They're like, hey, you know, kind of thing. I'm like, eh. you know, it's it the greatest experience. But we just had people all around us. But we were so isolated and alone. No one knew us. No one knew me. And no one knew what our marriage was going through. No one saw James Craft get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and go for a run because I was trying to outrun my anxiety and fear of being caught. No one knew us. No one understood that Terry was going through cycle systems with me and saying, James is ways, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. They didn't see that. They saw pastoral. We're good. We're good. Can I just be honest with you today? From a man and from a couple who have walked the shoes within ministry, we've been in pastoral ministry for many years, can I just plead with you today? Allow yourself to risk, risk being vulnerable with somebody. Find somebody who's safe and saying, can I talk to you? I never allowed myself to go there because if I thought, if you, if Nick was a guy, because if Nick found out, if he found out something about me, he wouldn't accept me for who I am and I would never have another friend again. I'm just going to ask you to risk because I know there's a lot in this room here today. There's things that you've allowed to build up as a wall, a mask. We all wear masks, all right? I'm going to ask you to take that mask away and let people see the pain in your eyes. Let them see it. It is the most fulfilling place to be in this world today. Because it's true connection with others. And when we have true connection with others, we truly have connection with God. Can I hear an amen on that? And so today, we want to strongly encourage you to go there. Because if we can work on those areas of our marriage, and we, we have so much fun. When we go do marriage, I love Unstoppable Marriage Conferences. We have so much fun with marriages. 
Because the marriage institution is such a beautiful place, we can have a lot of fun. But there's a point of discovery that God says, I want you guys to discover what true intimacy is all about. But you're going to have to take a risk. You're going to have to take a risk. I was too afraid to. Until God says, okay, I'm going to take my hand off of you. You're going to run off that cliff, but I'm going to catch you. And I'm going to bring you back into this place of restoration. But I have to let go. It's a scary place. And God is a faithful God. Amen? Amen. It's funny because um, the, uh, many of you didn't kind of know our background, so that, you know, was great. Um, but, you know, if some people see us standing up here, and, yeah, you know, um, James has been restored to the four-square denomination. doesn't happen all the time. So, you know, we thank God for your, your journey, and, and I know that, that many people have benefited from that. But it's funny because pastoral leadership wasn't our motive for restoration. And so my encouragement to you today is, is, is start to understand what's motivating you to do what you do. And if that's out of alignment, you know, maybe, you know, when you are talking to somebody, you can talk about maybe what is. What is, what is maybe my priorities or my motivation on that? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm going re- to repeat it right now. Great question. I'm going to repeat it so you can hear it. You know, there's so many people, 50% of pastors, men in the church right now, are struggling with pastors, are struggling with sexual addiction, okay, if it's porn or whatever. Even So we have to understand the reality that we're facing here today. So fi- and no, women are a little less, okay, but the reality is, is that that is our reality here in this room. I know that makes some of us stand up, ooh, I don't want to be known or seen, it's just, can we just put that as a reality? That's our reality. We're not going to make it weird. So we have it even more so in our churches. So over 70% of the men in our churches, okay, if we saw that as a disease, we'd say we have an epidemic in our hands, right? But we don't see that as an epidemic a lot of times because it's, there's a shame narrative that wraps itself around that, and we kind of just kind of isolate it and put it over here, and then say, you know, we'll have a small group that deals with that. If you want to go in secrecy, you can go in secrecy and deal with your thing, your thing. But I'm going to tell you right now, if we can just come to realization of what, how real this is, just like our kids, we talk about sex at our home. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love when we sit at the dinner table and we don't have nicknames for body parts, you know, and it's, it's funny and our kids are like, oh, my gosh, we just said penis. Oh, my gosh. And, and our kids freak out and love it, but we deal with things head on. And we deal with abortions. We deal with sexual uh, addiction. We deal with all these things because our kids feel safe to talk about it. And here's the deal. The church has to be a place of safety and a place of delivering tools for people then to say, I'm struggling. What do I do now? We have a plan for you. 
we have the Conquer series. We'd like for you to go through a process of discovery of information. And then after that, we're going to go in a place of discipleship, and we're going to go through the seven pillars of freedom or the, eight, um, uh, uh, the betrayal beyond or eight pillars of freedom for women, and we're going to have a process for you. You guys, there is a plan, and there are great tools available for you and your church. And then for marriages, we have plans for your marriage. But there has to be honesty first in a safe environment where people can look at you and say, hey, you're okay. You're okay. And with even a smile on your face and say, let's go together. Let's do this. And their vulnerability where you can say, I struggled, or you know what? I don't do that, but I have this, and let's do this together. There has to be a safe environment in the church. It's a culture system, though. And there's a culture that's been broken through a narrative of even past in the church and in our world today. But I'll tell you, the next generation's fed up with it. They're tired of it. They're tired of a facade, and that's why they're leaving the church in, in droves. And so we have to come to the place of vulnerability and say, let's go there. Let's talk about it. Let's have honest conversation. And then as we have honest conversation, that's where we open the door to transformation. But unless we connect with them with authenticity and vulnerability, they're never going to open the door to transformation in their life. Does that make sense? We sure, yeah, thank you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, do you want to go over that? Yeah, real quick. Uh, can I use this real quick? This, you guys, did everybody get this here? A flyer in, uh, real quick. And we're gonna, what time is it? Yeah, we got 15 more minutes. Um, Love Unstoppable uh, marriage conferences. We, Terry and I put on. We go to churches all over, and we literally work through, and we have a lot of fun. We love to laugh with, uh, with couples. We love to get in there and cry with couples, though. And we love to come around and put our arms around people and say, let's go through this together and then connect them with their churches, with the tools that the churches have and help leadership establish the right tools and pathways for people for healing. And so we have that for people, uh, for churches that can get us out there to help you get established. And it literally, and we drive people, we partner with Pure Desire, we partner with the Townsend Institute, we partner because we believe it takes a village to grow a healthy marriage. Can I just be on, amen on that? Okay. And so we have a great village we belong to. But we also have a, a thing here called uh, Marriage Unplugged. And it is a, an intensive that we do. We only take five couples at a time, and we go away in a place, an isolated, beautiful location, and we spend time together with Terry and I and with Nancy Houston and Gary Dunahoo. And you live with us in a beautiful location with lots of great food. And we have an intensive for three days. And then after that, you live with us, not at our house, at your home, but we work with you every week for six months in your marriage. Six months. Three-day intensive, six-month follow-through, and it brings transformation in your marriage. And we love it. Michael and Debbie, if you can just raise your hands. They're from Dallas, Texas. Uh, they are a couple that we've been working with for some time now. They've gone through Marriage Unplugged. And they're here. They flew out here just to be with us because they're just cool people. And they're going to be right up here afterwards to talk with you about Marriage Unplugged because they can explain to you what it's done for their lives and how that it can impact your life. So don't miss out on that, okay? So, yeah. There's more questions. Yeah, I just want to make sure we get them all.
That's a good question. Well, it, you know, again, it has to do with your, you know, if, if that's part of your, your church's culture, you know, to develop the mentors. Um, and, you know, sometimes I think w we have to go and sort of find those connections, you know, and, and, and look around. And if there's, if there's what you would consider a healthy marriage or uh, someone who really has gone um, the distance, you know, talk to them and ask them. You know, hey, I've, I, I'm looking for, we're looking for some people to really pour into our lives, um, you know, on a weekly basis or on a monthly basis, um, you know, so that you guys can take some initiative in that. I think it's, it's not necessarily, if it's not a culture, it's not going to happen. So you have to kind of take, take initiative on that for sure. Um, or you can, you know, talk to some people in your church and try to get maybe a mentoring program available for marriages. But honestly, that's why you, that's why we have the generations, you know. I, I I love it was spoken, you know, um, uh, last night. It's like you know you, you can't have you can't have y y a young church without you know the older generation. You can't have an older church. You need the younger generation, right? So we need each other. So my encouragement is to 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 look for some people that you feel like are safe that you can trust and and walk that out with them. You know, there's, I mean, obviously there's people like James and I that, you know, we, we, we do that now for, for our ministry. But, but if you're wanting that in your own community, then you, you have to take that initiative. Mentoring just doesn't happen. That's, you know, you have to kind of seek it out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The Lord brought them to you. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. The, the Lord. You know, it's, and there's times you're going to invest in it. My daughter's an athlete, and she's a track, and she's a hurdler. Go on our Facebook. She's really pretty and really pretty how she runs. It's like, whoa. But we pay for a coach. And we go, and we get a coach to invest in her life. Okay? I, I, I hear me when I say that. There are times when your marriage is going to need a marriage coach, you know, to say, we're going to invest our time, money, and resources into this, and it costs you something. Yeah. But you get the right people to say, we're going to work through a journey here, uh, on this journey with you. We're going to get to a destination. And the destination is not a location. It's a process being lived out. Okay, so I want you to, there might be sometimes, that's what Terry and I, I go out to Dallas every month, and I join nine other people, and uh, I get to work through life with these people. But it's an investment, you know, and so it might be something that you have to do that as well. So that be, that, is that okay for me to be that honest? Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the back. Nick, don't leave, buddy. Yeah, good job, man. All right. Yeah, like no, well, I want to speak in, but Nick, you're going to add this. this Conquer series. I'm going to seven pillars. Dr. Ted wrote the material that is very extensive. And the seven pillars, I work guys through the seven pillars program, and I, I tell them they have to give me one year of their life because I want to experience uh, summer, fall, winter, spring with them. It is a year-long process that I want to experience life with them. And I walk the seven pillars with them through a one-year process. And I have it down where it's like I just time it out. I want to have that time. It takes time to process. It takes time. Sometimes I don't break through with guys until like the sixth month. It's like, oh, finally, we're making it. I don't say that to them. You know, but finally, all right, we made it through. All right, we get breakthrough here. Conquer series takes the seven pillars, and it's really a, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, but I, 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 we're on the Conquer series. Uh, Terry and I are on it. But it's, here it is. It gives you an overview, 
all right? And it gets you started in that community of healing. Seven pillars takes you down into healing, into the depths of where the brokenness is. Would that be a fair assessment? That's how I always do, so please say I passed. Okay, good, okay, good. <laughs> it's not always a prerequisite, but it is highly recommended. I, I think it is. Yeah. I'm going to steal that verbiage. Good job, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what we've done at, at the church that we were serving at previously is we ran the Conquer series DVD number one as like a church-wide event. So we later said, everybody in the church, if you're, you know, you're a dad, you know, an uncle, a grandpa, you know, if you're a, a mother, if you're a teacher, if you're a business owner, come and hear about what is a relevant issue in our society. After church, we're going to do it at 1 o'clock. Come back. You know, we're going to watch this thing. So we watched, like, DVD number one, and, and everybody's there, and it's like, you know, and, and we made a real big thing. You know, the, the pastor was like, if you're on leadership, and, you know, it just everybody come. So ev nobody has to feel shame because everybody's coming. And so then everybody came, and then afterward there were sign-ups. Do you want to know more? Do you want to dig deeper? You know, then you can kind of do that. So that's one way that we did at our church. And honestly, after, like, after doing that and, and the seven pillars for a couple of years, there's enough leaders now at the church to, to just do it. They run it themselves. And honestly, it's so great. We'll walk around church, and we're not on staff anymore. You know, we just, you know, because we have our own ministry, but we attend. There are, like, countless marriages countless marriages that are saved. And we're like, wow. I mean, it's just amazing to see what God has done. Um, just raising up people in that context, right? And then those people then were able to, you know, get healing in their marriage. So that's kind of, you know. But we definitely want to make sure if you guys have any questions, because I know that as a whole, you guys probably have some really, in yeah. Yeah, any more questions publicly that anybody? Okay. If you do have a question, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can speak for me because uh, I was the one in the wrong. And so I, I'll just be honest. I was, uh, I woke up on Friday morning exhausted. Uh, our last month and a half, we've just been driving so hard. And all of a sudden, I woke up on Friday morning thinking, okay, I'm good. Hey, sweetheart, how you doing? And she goes, hey, Doug, good. Hey, don't forget tomorrow, Saturday, is an all-day track meet that you're going to. I said, yeah, I'm already planning on that. And Sunday, it's an all-day water polo tournament you're going to. I'm like, yeah, no problem. And she goes, and don't forget, we had two clients on Sunday afternoon. I'm all, what? And I lost it. Something happened inside my brain that I'm like, I can't handle that. Where, and I said, my words were, I can't breathe. Where am I to breathe? Now, that's my responsibility. I depleted my margins. My margins were so depleted that all of a sudden I went off the page. And I fell on the ground. Okay? So when we made that call to Nancy, her, her call was, Nancy, James is losing it. <laughs> I, I, I have to add it. Because cause a, a, num a seven on the Enneagram, okay, so... We are very, very sort of like uh, optimistic to like a fault. 
So for me, and because I don't want to connect with the emotion, I'm like, oh, gosh, that's too bad. But guess what? You get to sleep in on Saturday. So he, what happened was is I didn't really attune to his concern. I was more like, hey, guess what? You know, you can sleep in. Ha, everything's fine. You should be fine. Yeah, so he didn't, he, what he really needed was for me to really be empathetic. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, I just, I didn't, like, ah. So we just went two different directions communication-wise. So basically when I called her, I was like, okay, Nancy, we hit a wall, you know, and she doesn't pick up. I mean, we don't call her like that all the time because she's busy too, So, but she happened to pick right up, which is obviously the Holy Spirit, and I said, okay, this is what happened, and she goes, okay, and her question to me was, okay, Terry, well, how are you experiencing that? Tell me how you're feeling. I'm like, well, James did this, and da da and da da and she goes, Terry, stop talking. How are you feeling? And I'm like, I'm feeling numb, and she goes, Okay. She goes, so this isn't the first time that's happened. I'm like, no, you know that, Nancy. She goes, I know, but I wanted you to say it. So I said, okay. So we went kind of back and forth. And she goes, yeah. She goes, you know what? I want you to be okay with the fact that you said to him something positive. And I was like, yeah, yeah, because I'm feeling kind of bad about that right now. And she said, no, I want you to be you. And, she, and so I said, okay, okay. And she says, but I also know that, you know, that James responded similarly to his personality. She goes, can we just get real there? And then she said, let's just talk about that, you know. And then all of a sudden, the shame just went down because, like, I felt like I failed because I was too perky, <laughs> too happy. And then he was, you know, realizing, oh, gosh, I probably overreacted, you know. So she just got us to that place where it was like, tell me how you're feeling. Let's just process that a little bit because she's worked with us long enough. So we, she, we didn't have to go into a long diatribe. It was more just like, you know, we're, we're, we're really falling apart right now. <laughs> she's like, okay. Now, we've seen her and her husband lose it, you know, and she probably calls Dr. Townsend. I don't know. <laughs> but because they're really close. But yeah, you know, y- you got to have the people that you can call. <laughs> My call, uh, probably about seven, eight minutes, maybe 10, 10, 10 minutes at the most. <laughs> oh, no more than half an hour. Mine was like 15, 20 minutes max. Yeah. We were on track, on track with it, a clear direction where to go. Oh, oh, totally, yeah. And that's where we literally saw it and like, we will never live without this. Never live. Dr. Townsend has five people that he goes to, five people. And he says, that he's very clear, I have five people I go to for help. And he admits, I need help. This is Dr. John Townsend, wrote the book on boundaries, okay? Five people that he goes to. We know that our marriage, we will never stop counseling, and we will never stop having coaches. We'll never have it. We'll never stop it because it's important for us to stay on track so that we can keep going forward into the calling and promises that God has for us. But we've got to be real with ourselves. We're human beings. Okay? We are not robots. I know that's hard, but sometimes that's just the truth. I've got to say it out loud. Amen? Amen? And so that is God's promise for you is that it's okay that you're not okay. It's just not okay if you stay there. And God wants to keep moving us forward in the promises he has. Does that make sense? Is it okay? Okay. Any other questions? One of, one of the other things that we've done with some, some churches um, just globally is we've, like, come in through Zoom or Skype, and we've kind of worked with their, um, you know, marriage ministries or their teams and kind of helped them learn how to sort of coach you know, uh, as well, set up some systems. 
um, in their own in you know their own you know areas. So you know that's something that we can also help people with as well. It can feel a little daunting, you know, as well. So any other questions? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Before? Yeah. You know, disconnection is always going to be a sign, 100%. Because if you have disconnection, there's like always like tentacles of why. So whenever there's like a disconnection or an isolation of pulling back, you know, then there's when you're going to find, and I'm not saying that it has to be like, oh my gosh, there's an addiction, there's, you know, affair, but, but that's when you start to see it. So it's kind of like, okay, I just didn't understand enough. I, had s- I was so um, broken inside myself that I was like, disconnection sort of feels normal for my family, so I guess we live here. I, didn't ha- I did not know what connection was, so I didn't, didn't seem very much like an issue. So now, if like we know if there's any kind of pulling back in language, like you know, talking, communication, um, then we just we, we know how to communicate there. So I just encourage people, it's like when there's those times when, when something feels off and it consistently feels off, then that's when you have to in, incur your accountability, your counseling, all that kind of stuff. Because most of what happens in our marriages is, is a result of what we're carrying in terms of information from our um, family of origin. Now, do we love our families of origin? Yes. Can they be annoying or can they be abusive? Can they be hard? Yes. I mean, it's all, it's all. You know, it's all of it. But, but even though I had a great family, you know, we had connection issues. You know, there was total denial issues. There was, you know, just like busyness issues. So I didn't know how to read the problem. So people are like, how did you not know that your husband was a porn addict for like 20 years? I'm like, well, I kind of knew something was wrong, but it was like it didn't, it scared me enough that we would lose everything that I, I thought, well, we just pastors can't get counseling because I don't know what where that narrative came in but somehow that narrative came into my mind that we couldn't get counseling which is so wrong right but somebody told me that along the way <laughs> so what was like oh we're gonna we're gonna lose everything if we get counseling and like the Lord's like well hold on your put your seatbelt on honey because losing everything is going to be relative here <laughs> you know now it's like I tell people I'd pay a million dollars to have gotten the counseling 15 years ago you know so but the warning signs usually have to do with disconnection. And for guys, I'm going to be honest, and wives, this year me when I say, when you see uh, your husband shutting down, living on his cell phone, engaged with the TV, isolation. That's called isolation. When they start going there, red flag. And it's not to say they're bad. It might just they're struggling. Maybe they're overwhelmed, they're fearful, whatever it is. It's not saying it's catastrophic. It's just ask questions. If your husband or wife is procrastinating and not following through, is not reliable, red flag. 
if they're not being authentic. See, there's things that you can look at and say, ah, red flag. It's not to be catastrophic to say you are a full-blown addict and we have to have intervention in your life. No, it's a grounds for inter, uh, inter, uh, interconnection with one another. It's like, how are you doing? I see that you're on your phone a lot right now. You know, what's going on? You know, what do you need from me right now? There's times when Terry and I are connecting. We have Dr. Townsend has put out the 22 relational needs that every couple, every person has. And so we work our 22 relational needs all the time. Say, hey, sweetheart, I can see that you're stressed out. What do you need? She goes, I need containment right now. And containment is I need to get all out without you trying to fix me. That's what it says. Okay? That's what containment is. But that's a relational need. And there's times we say that to one another, I need containment right now. And so what happens is then all of a sudden Terry says, I need containment. I'm all, all right, I'm here with you. What's going on? She goes, you know what? I'm overwhelmed. Da, 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 da. I said, yeah, I hear you, and I'm so sorry. What a lot of times we want to do is, yeah, I'm so sorry. You know what? If you just did these three things, <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, it'll fix all your problems. And then all of a sudden, she wants to point her finger, and I'm not talking the middle finger. All right, I, mean, I, I didn't go there. But she says, you know what? That, that's what she is defensiveness because she doesn't feel safe there she's saying i need safety or i'm saying the same thing i need safety i need for you to allow me to be real with what i'm feeling right now see there's a lot of tools all right and we go over all that in our marriage uh, our love unstoppables but that's that's a lot of stuff so so thank you all right all right guys hey thank you so much and you know what? Michael and Debbie will be up here to talk to you guys about Marriage Unplugged. We'll be available. We're not leaving anywhere. So love to talk with you.